And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, everybody. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to a very special episode number 341 of This Old Marketing for Content Marketing World Week 2022. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and I think probably the guy who's most excited to get a Disney Prime membership, Mr. Joe Polizzi. I'm in. Oh, I'm in. I'm getting, I'm yeah, getting all the primes. Oh, yeah. I think. What do you think about yeah. that? Do you think that the, the whole Disney Prime thing is just, uh, it, it just makes perfect sense with their overall strategy? Well, yeah. I mean, we've been talking about it forever, right? But the, you know, I think um, if I'm Amazon, I'm a little annoyed that it seems to be, well, maybe I'm not annoyed. I don't know. If I'm Amazon, it's it's like, really? You did know, you have that, to go there? Yeah. Right. Did did you know has Prime now become the Kleenex or the you know the the uh, you know Xerox machine you know the sort of I can't remember what those things are called but you know where the brand becomes the name of the thing right you know like you know you Google things now right you know Google becomes a verb um, you know now Prime becomes the quintessentially uh, you know idea for the subscription-based everything, right? So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I don't think they'll call it Disney Prime <laughs> just well, out of because Disney's not like that. But I, I, I think it's it's a it's it's you know as we've been talking about, it's a brilliant strategy. So you you know, so you have Amazon Prime. You have when Disney came out with it. I know it's not a Disney product, but I was thinking Disney Optimus Prime is really what it needs to be uh, because oh, that no, makes perfect no, sense. No, but no. you have Apple, but Apple's no. pro, Apple's program, which is I don't know if you've looked at it, is really impressive. Apple One, where they you have all seven yeah, subscriptions in right. one. That is fascinating to me because. It all when you, when you look at everything. Oh, you get the music and you get the storage and you get the phone support. You get all the stuff. It looks like a deal. I mean, it really does. It I, is a deal. Yeah. No, I've got I've I've got it now for the for for Elizabeth and I. And it just you know it's a great you know and you know you get because you get Apple TV you get you know the storage you get music you get. You know, there's a whole the ultimate you know, loyalty, bunch of yeah. Stuff. The ultimate loyalty right. membership program is really yeah, and it's it does save you money. I mean, no, look, you know, I, I know that's relative because you know what should things cost, right? But but given how you would buy those things a la carte, it makes every sense in the world to buy this kind of program. It's especially if you're all in on a brand, right? You know, you're all in on a brand like Amazon or Apple or Disney. There's no you know, there's there's no question. You know, I do the same thing with um, uh, Google's got a, a similar kind of thing with their family plan for uh, YouTube Premium plus storage plus you know a few things. So you can do it. You can do that as well. I I, I think the one and the prime is overused. I think we should see the deuce. Like, why not go to two? The two. The, <laughs> the, the, the Disney the deuce. deuce. Would the, would the tagline be drop the deuce? Yeah. 
Oh no! I just got to be seventeen years old. Oh my god! But right, it's it's kind of like in yeah, uh, yeah, it's kind of like in in volleyball where they where they had uh, what ESPN the Ocho, like come up with something fun. (laughs) The Deuce, the Ocho is back. By the way, ESPN Ocho is back. Is it? Well, it really wasn't a thing, and then. It really wasn't. It was ever. a thing. Wait, it absolutely they is. They actually thing. created ESPN eight. Yes, they did it. Well, it was for, or it was not vo- a volleyball. It's dodgeball. It was for. It was in the movie dodgeball. It was ESPN Ocho? That was the whole Jason Bateman. That's right, Mister Brady. I forgot the name of uh, the actor who played him. He just passed away, didn't he? ESPN eight. The Ocho is back. It happened. Uh, it happened earlier this month, actually. Is back from what? Um, like it was a, month, I should say. When last did month. ESPN eight come out in the first place? Because it was made up for twenty twenty during the pandemic. Oh, got it. And then they and then they and then they they killed it. They 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 let it go. And then they brought it. They brought it back. ESPN. Uh, they're what they do is they just rebrand ESPN two. It's not like they launched. It's not like they have seven other, you know, networks. But they just take ESPN two and they and they uh, and they rebrand it. Um, as ESPN eight the the uh, the Ocho. Well, I think that the so obscure, well, the obscureness so of the sports, I think, is what counts. Like if they have, you know, where I could see cornhole yes. tournaments. Would you like or, to? Would you like you to know, hear the schedule? Yeah. Would you like to hear the current schedule of the ESPN Ocho? So you have the twenty twenty two Corgi races, <laughs> <laughs> which Jeez. which already has been. I I can't believe I haven't seen that yet. Uh, then you have the evolution of cliff diving. Mm. Uh, then you have the Golden Tea World Championship, the story of Spikeball. Then you have the Pickleball uh, National Championships. Uh, then you have the Corona Belt Sander races. <laughs> oh my this gosh, is this so sounds great. perfect. I bet you it's going to be a big hit. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. Because and if then you, you've got the 2021 World Air Hockey Championships, which I'm assuming is a rerun. Especially, it's yeah. it's especially it's, good for for bars or taverns or saloons, if you will, because you know you can never you never know what sport you should put on. That's true. Or what, if you're not an you know allegiant to a particular sports franchise, you're like, what do we play? We got to play the Ocho because we got all kinds of crazy stuff on there going on. <laughs> we got to play the Ocho. We got that's right. We got uh, whatever squirrel races and whatever else they they do. Raccoon yeah. ball. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what else. <laughs> Raccoon ball. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of sports predictions, as we record this prior to Content Marketing World, and both of us, well, me making my way to Cleveland, and you, of course, making your way down the freeway. Ten minutes down the, down the freeway. Yes. Yeah. Um, our teams have not played yet. Uh, so, what do you, what are your predictions for the Browns? And I know everybody's aware of all the stuff going on, but what is your predictions for the actual game of football? So, uh, <laughs> for some reason, I just want to answer pain. I predict pain. pain to, and then you know what? Mr. You're T. always yeah. You're, you're always Mr. right. Yeah. You're always clever, Lang. You're, yeah, you're always right. Pain. It's all that's yeah. okay. So just to to get everybody up to speed. Uh, Deshaun Watson, the, the <laughs> I pity the fool, the, the, the presumed <laughs> starting quarterback at the beginning of whatever preseason is out for the first eleven games, suspended by the NFL. That's right. So our starting quarterback is Jacoby Brissett, which has always been a very good game manager. I would say five hundred ish quarterback. Yeah, 
and that's who we're going to have. We're I'm under the assumption that they're going to focus on the running game. They've got two of the best running backs in the league, and they're very, very deep at running back, even if somebody gets injured. So I'm, I'm under the assumption it's going to be a run game, but whatever. The defense is solid, should be solid. I think that up to the 11th game, you're going to see us be 6-5. and five. And Ooh, right. I think we're 6-5 and five going into it going into game 12 so when Deshaun comes back and then we have what six games remaining after that correct so then <laughs> right, I and I right. think that we we end up eight and nine. Oh, all right you don't think he's gonna be all that look at I don't know how to say this Robert but I first of all Deshaun Watson is an incredible quarterback quarterback I'm not going to talk about his character or anything like that that what I feel yeah. This is just bad mojo. This is just the whole thing feels wrong. The season feels wrong. I think that if you want to call Cleveland a cursed sports city or whatever you want to call, I think that this just adds to it from the curse of Rocky Calavito with the Cleveland Indians back in the day to today. It was just a bad choice. They've got some amazing players on the team and the schedule actually isn't all that incredibly hard if you really look at it. I think the the problem is it's just the front office made some bad choices and we're going to have to pay for it this year. I don't know what's going to happen next year. I just don't see us making the playoffs this year. So, okay, there you go. And by the way, saying that hurts. I'm, I'm I already have chest pain just talking about the way I did. <laughs> oh, no, Oh goodness. So, gracious. Yeah. I, it doesn't feel good because I'm a, you know, I mean, we've been the season ticket holders for 15 plus years or whatever the case is since they came back. And, uh, yeah, I'm not feeling good about it, but I can't honestly say that I think they're going to make the playoffs this year. So, yeah. So there you yeah. go. I would have to agree with you there, I think. Um, but, but the thing is, is that uh, their defense, the last, I think, nine games of the year, top five defense in the league, of course, you you have this amazing running game. And, uh, and they were a great team last year, except that, that Baker kept throwing it to the wrong team. Right. And, and by the way, and because he was hurt, he should not have been playing, in my opinion. Yeah, he should I not think, have been playing. That's the now, my prediction for Baker Mayfield, I, I think Baker Mayfield has a chance to go to the Pro Bowl this year. I think, yeah. I think he has a uh, – look, he doesn't have a great team around him there in Carolina, but he he definitely uh, has a – they've got a solid running game, and we'll see. I think I think you're right. He either I don't here's what I'll, I'll predict for him, which is it's it's the same thing I'm going to predict for my Cowboys, which is it will be one extreme or the other. In other words, it won't be right down the middle. It'll either be awful or it'll be he'll be fantastic. He'll have an All Pro year. It's the same with my Cowboys. I think I think the Cowboys right now are are such a question mark. They're either going to have a spectacular year like they did last year, or it's going to be a you know dumpster fire. So I don't think it goes right down. Well, there. okay, I I see what you did there. You kind of hedged your bet, but yeah, what's a little bit? I want. But, I would like I know, to but, hear. So I gave you a record. I gave you a record of eight and nine for the for the Browns. What is the record? Because we'll come back to this, of course, like we always do, so we can show that how wrong sure. we are on almost every subject. So what what is the record going to be for the Dallas Cowboys? I'm I'm going. I'm I'm always a glasses half full kind of guy. So I'm going eleven and six. Oh my goodness, that's yeah. that's obviously playoff material. 
Yeah. Are you so they make yeah. the playoffs at eleven and six? Any prediction after that? No. No. Absolutely not. <laughs> Zero. No. Not even a chance. Yeah, not even a chance. Oh shoot. Uh, okay. Well, good. I, well, I hope a little bit. I hope something right. special right. here um, with this with this show, um, which is to uh, you know. Talk a little bit about content marketing world because you know this week, obviously we're doing this a little bit of an advance and and uh, in advance because we'll both be in Cleveland, um, giving our various talks and 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 all of that. So, you know, I, I would love for us to talk a little bit about our predictions for content marketing world, but then I want to hear I want to hear what you're you know what you're going to talk about, um, and uh, and maybe I'll talk a little bit about what I'm going to talk about and and. Uh, you know, and and let's let's talk about content marketing world since we're since we're we're both going to be there next. week. Always a special week uh, for for both of us, but yeah. I'll, I'll speak for myself. Uh, it's been the first content marketing world was September of 2011, and here it is still going strong. Is this is this is the twelfth year? Is this the twelfth? This is the twelfth? Uh, yes, this is twelve. Because the tenth was the pandemic, the initial pandemic Correct. year, 2020. Sadly, yes, yeah, which we all did online. And then we all came yeah. back and had a smaller, more a cozier event last year as people were still a little bit timid. And, of course, we were still going through all that. And now it seems like we're almost, you know, fingers crossed, we feel like we're getting out of it. We know, I know a lot more. We, yeah. Of course, we got international folks coming this year, which we didn't yep. have last year. For the, didn't have that at all. So, yeah. yeah. And, and everybody's, it seems like it's going to be like a, a huge homecoming because... So many people, some of the, so many of the speakers who couldn't come for various reasons, uh, you know, to 2021 because of, you know, still travel bans and, you know, some timidness over the, the, you know, the, the, you know, going to physical events and all those things. It seems like, it seems like, you know, some of these people are going to people I haven't seen in three years. It's amazing. That's right. Yeah. It's funny. Cause it se- it seems like too, with all of our speaker friends now is, Sort of that. Hey, I haven't been on an international flight for three years. That's all happening. Like I don't know right. when your next yeah. one is, but uh, I'm going. My first international flight will be in November. I got one November December. So it seems yeah. like it's all starting to to happen again. Anyways, I'm very excited about seeing a bunch of people and getting this thing going again. And uh, you know, and, and, and I guess the question is, I want to hear about what you're going to say, but it seems yeah. like. Every time you bring up the subject, you talk about how content, you know, we got our wish. We got a seat at the table. It is important to marketing. And what now? Are you, is that what you're going to talk about in your opening? Cause you have a, you have an opening keynote and I'm the, op- I do. I'm the opening yeah, keynote the on first Thursday. Time in you're on years, Wednesday, actually, right? right? So that's right. Okay. That's right. I'll open up the show. And, um, and I actually reserved myself a little bit of time this year cause I actually did have something that I wanted to talk about, um, you know, because the last couple of years um, I have basically come out, just opened up the show, you know, dressed up. And so I do have a silly costume, which I will be wearing. Oh, jeez. Um, and uh, uh, and but, you know, I've just opened up the show. But this year I do actually have something to to talk about. And yeah, it you know, I guess the overall if I had to put a theme to it. Um, it is, so what we have seen over the last few years is that, you know, content has become more important and that's, you know, that's a, you know, that's an easy, no duh statement, 
But what I mean by that is, is that the interesting thing is, is that even post-pandemic, right, you know, the theme of the research, for example, from CMI's research coming out of the pandemic was the, the you know, and I wrote the introduction to the research, um, and my theme was the sleeping giant awakens. In other words, because of the disruptions that we saw based on the pandemic, and a lot of that has to do with digital transformation, and a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, that the physical experiences are no longer, uh, you know, as plentiful, right? We just press, you know, we value our time now, whether we go shopping or whether we go visit clients in person, you know, the, all those things are just not happening like they used to. And so digital and content have become proxies for everything. And so the pressure on content practitioners has become more pronounced. And that just means marketing, generally speaking, because marketing is now not only required to create you know, these wonderful owned editorial thought leadership, you know, content marketing experiences, but holy smokers, now they have to create experiences everywhere to replace what we used to do physically. And so what we have seen is that content and uh, content marketing and marketing are merging, right? And it was, and to your point, it was something you and I talked about, you know, 10 years ago when we launched the first content marketing world, we were like, at some point, this just merges into marketing, right? Content marketing just becomes one of the best practices of, of marketing. And, you know, we used to always say, we don't care really if the term doesn't work, but the practice is what's really important. And what I'm seeing is, is that the term is still there. Everybody understands that it is a separate kind of approach, but the classic content marketing person is now being saddled with a lot more including technology, first-party data, strategy, marketing content, advertising, promote. You know, they have to be well-rounded marketers. They can't just be anymore, you know, storytellers or editorial specialists or those kinds of things. Now, the tension there, and this is where I'm going to focus my talk, is that businesses haven't yet evolved into that, right? What we're doing is is that we're continuing down the same road of thinking of content as the way that we've always thought of it, which is sort of this magic black box that, you know, strewn throughout the company and you just sort of put ideas in and magically content comes out of it somehow. You know, there's people people do it, right? You know, as I've said many, many times, you know, content is kind of everybody's job and nobody's strategy. And that's where we're seeing the big tension now is that, you know, the other research that I'll call up in my keynote is the career and salary survey that we did this year, which is just amazing research. It's, I could not be more proud of the research team for putting this together because it's really the, the best research I've seen on current salaries, job happiness, job satisfaction, and how, you know, we're looking at content marketing and content as a career. And the big headline is we're not. There is no career path. You know, the, the, the wonderful, um, the interesting research here is, is that, you know, 60%, 60 to 70% of content marketers are happy in their job. However, 60 to 70% also are ready for a new job. And the wow. reason that they're ready for a new job is because they either, A, don't see a career path in their current company. They do see a career path, but it's not in the company they're in. Or C, they're unsure of where they're going, and basically they feel like they have to go into sales or marketing or PR or something like that and get out of content. 
So businesses have not yet set up any sort of structure for content to exist in the business. And so basically content marketers and content strategists are just jumping from job to job to job to company to company to company and, you know, working their way around the the different businesses. And so the call to action for me, the sort of end of my keynote is that this is our opportunity to look at things in a new way to a look at content strategy, content marketing and marketing as a business strategy, which is something you and I have talked mm-hmm. about for, you know, eight years, nine years, you know, we talked about it in Killing Marketing, that this was now, the it's now a business, it's not just a nice marketing strategy, it's a business strategy. Two, that you have to create a, you know, just like you do with legal or accounting or, you know, any other function in the business, you have to create a structure and a career ladder and all those things for it and see that it is now time for us as practitioners to take on the idea of, first-party data, audience building, and making sure that those experiences that we're creating are connected in a way that helps us do things in the new, you know, in the new modern way. You know, as I say very pointedly, you know what? First-party data, privacy, all that stuff, you know, IT has had their time. Digital marketing has had their time. They've, neither of them have solved this. We have to be the ones to solve it. The content strategists, the content marketers have to be the ones to solve this because it's not getting solved otherwise. It's not a technology issue. It is not a legal issue. It is a content issue. And we can be the ones to solve this. So all of that stuff is coming together. And then I'm hopefully going to tee up everybody to sort of look at the rest of the presentations and say, through that lens, how how can you walk away from content marketing world? listing out the new things, the new things that you're going to do on Monday morning when you get back to the office. And what are those new things going to be? Do you think it's going to be any one of those things, right? You know, it could be it could be new new responsibilities taking on actually the ability to to create that career ladder to look at technology and start taking responsibility for being, you know, for the first party data access for the, you know, as I say in the keynote, if, if, our, if we're thinking, if like our biggest problem right now, if our biggest problem as a content marketer is, oh, should we gate content you know, behind a oh, paywall yeah. Yeah. or should we not gate content behind a paywall and put our you know, subscribers into a MailChimp database versus the Salesforce data? No, you're behind. You are woefully behind if that's your biggest problem because you've got to get to a place where you're looking at the strategic aspect of an audience from the first time you meet them to the last time that you service them as one continuous uh, journey. And if you're not there, then you need to get there. And so that's, you know, so how do you do that? Start laying out a roadmap for getting strategic about your content approach. Well, what I appreciated, you said this to me, I don't know, I think I was asking you maybe about my presentation or some other things we were working on, but I was talking about buy-in and you were, you were very adamant about the fact that uh, most chief marketing officers or senior vice presidents of marketing, or whoever's in charge of, of the content marketing bucket under them has bought in, they get it. Right. And they wonder right. why the content marketer hasn't done more with getting this whole strategy working and like, Hey, haven't we been working on this for 10 years and this is as far as we are. And I, I hadn't That's heard right. that from you before. And you were like, yeah, like we, we need to get our act together. 
and stop, you know, focusing on the smaller things, the tactical items, yeah, and really create but a that's strategy. It, that's exactly yeah. it, right? You know, you go to you know what's happening is is that people are going to their bosses with business cases about you know the the idea that content marketing is a good idea. Like this is you know twenty oh eight or twenty oh nine, and VPs, CMOs, CFOs. They're saying, yeah, fine, bought it, got it. I, you know, you're, you're, you're bringing me the wrong answer to the wrong question, right? Which is, you know, you're trying to build a case to say we should be doing better and more, you know, more valuable content. I'm already bought in on that. What, what I want to know is how are you organizing the, all, of the, all of the content we're already creating and how are you making it better? How are you making the operations and building the activities that we need to build to actually be able to do something. You know, one of the, one of the examples that I bring up in my keynote is, is, uh, is Salesforce. You know, you look at Salesforce Plus, right, which is arguably the biggest content marketing launch in the last five years, right, of, you know, of, of a company. You know, arguably going to go compete against, um, you know, you know, well, CNN Plus, it's not going to compete against CNN Plus because CNN Plus yeah, is gone. They, but, that you know, didn't last very it, long, yeah. You know, but, by the way, an audience that big, it's got an audience as big as CNN Plus. Now, that's a low bar with CNN Plus, but it's, you know, but it's bigger now and it's B2B. But the point is, is that what, what kind of competitive advantage does CNN, or excuse me, does Salesforce Plus give to Salesforce? It's not the brand of Salesforce. That's, everywhere that doesn't give it competitive advantage the fact that it's salesforce launching this it, it the competitive advantage isn't in the content the content itself in salesforce plus is you know it's everywhere right you know you can go watch these listen to these podcasts watch these podcasts you know see these webinars you know they're they basically just aggregate you know stuff that's already available out there it's not in the technology the technology is is well worn for what they're doing so what is it that's giving them or could give them if they execute well competitive advantage? It's the fact that they have created a strategy and a function of content at Salesforce that operates like a media company. In other words, they built in the structure, the team, the career ladder, the positions, the activities, the strategy, the infrastructure to actually make media an important thing. That's what makes a Salesforce Plus competitive is that they know how to do it now. And, and that's where we have to be as smaller businesses. It's not about writing the smartest white paper or, te- or telling your boss that you can go create more valuable you know, TikTok videos. It's about how do you build an operational process that actually works to create content like a media company does. That's the competitive advantage, and that's the business case you have to be bringing to your boss. It's so funny. It's, so a lot of the things that you're bringing up, are going to feed right. It's almost like we planned this, Robert, <laughs> which, mm. which we actually did. Or that we talk every week. We talk week, every week, but it's going to fit right in. So I'm glad you're going to lead off with that because as I go into my presentation, so it's funny how it's, it's tough every year. I mean, I've done 12 of these keynotes and you're like, okay, I've got to say something new. I've got to, what's going on? And I was, I had an interview, I don't know what it was, a couple of weeks ago. And somebody asked me what the most important thing was to, you know, growing a e-newsletter list or something like that, or or becoming a content entrepreneur. And I I said the most important thing over everything else is having the time to do it. Time. That's right. Time yep. is the number one thing. And the 
the interviewer sort of taken aback. Like, time? I'm like, yeah, time. So basically, my whole thing, I'm calling the presentation slowing time, but it's really about either you know buying more time or creating or, or uh, integrating strategies that lengthen your runway that no one else is going to try. So it's kind of thinking a little bit differently, and it, it got me thinking, I don't know um, – if you know, but my my son, my my youngest, Adam, and I, we have conversations all the time about uh, theoretical questions and what's what's this mean and what's that mean, and we'll go and we'll talk for hours about this stuff. But the other day, we were talking about making a million dollars and what's the easiest way to to get a million dollars, and he was thinking about like jobs and doing things, and I said, it's easy. the The easiest way to become a millionaire is is having the time to do it. It's time. Is it, and That's it's like, right. what are you talking about? I'm like, and I know this because I've talked about it in a lot of blog posts and I've talked about it on stage. But if you want to get to a million dollars, it takes $14 per day for 35 years. You put $14 away at a regular S&P fund that's getting between seven and a half and eight and a half percent on average. And in 35 years, you're a millionaire. So it's not too dissimilar as to what we're talking about with, with content marketing strategies because if somebody asked me what's the number one success factor for content marketing, it is, it's time. It's having the time to do it. And what I'm going to go through is, you know, go through the, the, the greatest case studies of our time. You look at Red Bull Media House. People don't realize that Red Bull Media House has been around for 17 years now. They started in right. 2005 as a magazine. It took them two years to go monthly. It took them six years to get to U.S. distribution. And now they're 17 years. They did a lot of time. Even our own you know, Content Marketing Institute. We've been around for 15 years. Took us two yeah. years to get to 10,000 subscribers. Took us four years to get to profitability. Look at oh, somebody new. Look at somebody like um, Mr. Beast. P- people think, oh, my God, Mr. Beast started doing YouTube videos and just out of the blue was successful. No, he wasn't. Started in 2012. It took him three years just to get a consistent topic on YouTube. And what's really amazing is in, two, in 2016, hit 30,000 subscribers on YouTube and then hit a million next year. Now net worth is over $100 million. So I, and you know, if you look at the research from the tilt that I'll go through, it's, it takes 25 months just for somebody to, to be a content entrepreneur and make a living at it. So over two years, if you're, and that's all you're doing full time. So... Like, okay, great. But then, you know, you made some really good comments about where these content marketers want to go from a career standpoint. And I just took basic data. I might have to take some before I might have slide in some of the CMI data. But if you look at the average stay of an employee today in the U.S., it's about four years at a job. And if you look at like mid-level marketing roles, it's about three years. And of course, we've talked about the chief marketing officer lifespan has been at two years for a long time. And that was confirmed recently again by the Wall Street Journal. So the problem is, is that we want to do all these amazing things. We want to build a a wonderful group of loyal customers and communication experiences. But we don't have enough time to do that, even with a solid strategy. So that's the contention I'm making, Robert, is, is that you could have the best strategy in the world, but you don't have enough time to do it. You ab- because you're going to leave or somebody's yeah, going to boot you. That, well, that's the that's the kind of thing that you need to think about, right? I mean, because you know, what I told this to a client not too long ago. I said, you know, who was starting? They were going to start this this new project, 
this new owned media platform for a strategic, you know, all the all the good, you know, checked all the good boxes, right? Uh, strategic online digital magazine, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, now you have to realize that this is a bridge that you're you're going to build, but never finish. Yep. And I said, you have to understand that. How are you going to build this bridge in a way so that someone else can come in and finish the bridge and actually launch it and make it work? And they looked at me and they're like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to bring this to, I'm going to make this like the great case study. And I said, no, I said the, the, the highest chances are that two years into this, you will have built it and it will just start be just be starting to get some traction and you'll, you'll leave. You're, you're going to go to another company. No, I'm not. I'm not going to another company. Oh, you might not. But the averages say that you will. The averages say that you're going to be, you know, you're going to either find a better job or that there's or that this job is going to become so unbearable that you can't stand it anymore so you leave yep. or that life changes or something's going to happen because that's just the average marketing tenure of a of a marketing professional that's these right. days. You may buck that trend. But Probably not. You need to build this in a way, like if you care about this, you need to build this in a way, document it, put it in the processes, build in the activities. Don't just build it as an art project. You need to build it so that it's institutionally sound so that anybody could come in and finish it. That's so true. And that's just a different mindset. It's, it's just a different mindset. It's so true because it's funny because as you're talking, you're building the presentation for me because I've got a slide that says now and then I've got six things that you can do. And the end of the rainbow there is uh, you're either fired, you're let go, or you leave voluntarily. And, you, you, and depending right. on how long you've been at a company, you can sort of think, hey, if I've been at this company for two years, you might have another two years left. But if you just are playing the odds, if you're just looking at what goes on, you're probably going to be gone. Or you can yes. try, and then, right. or my contention is, you could try some of these crazy things that I think aren't so crazy. And I'll just quickly go through them. I want to get your take on them. But I got six yep. things that I'm specifically going to share. We've talked a lot of, uh, about them on the show, but the first one is obviously acquisitions. I think we've talked about it on the show. I think now is just the perfect time to create an acquisition strategy. And I go through the whole thing about. Be, you know, growing up in publishing and growing up in the publishing world, business to business publishing world, it was about two things every year when we put our budgets together for the next year. It was about organic growth plus acquisitions. And content marketers have never been taught that. They've only been taught about organic growth. And what are we going to do with our own IP? And our, they've never thought about, oh, should I go out and acquire content brands to help me with my strategy? Publishers do this. So if you look at the New York Times, you know, they bought Wirecutter, they bought Wordle, which we just covered, they bought The Athletic, and they've had amazing financial results over the past couple of years, in large part because of these acquisitions. So I think that what I'm going to go through is, is that if you're just thinking all organic, you're missing out. And then a lot of people will go, okay, well, let's look at Red Bull Media House. Red Bull Media House is all organic. No, they're not. If you look at their properties, about half of their properties were bought. But people don't realize that. They just don't look and say, oh, Red Bull right. went out and bought yeah. all these Benvenuto Publishing and Service TV. They did Speed Week. Did they buy? Oh, yeah. They bought those. And then, of course, we talk about Aero Electronics, a Fortune 119 company, $34 billion company that they bought 50 plus brands and now have more um, 
electronics engineers as subscribers than any other media company in the world. And then, of course, you got HubSpot yeah. doing what they're doing with the hustle and their creator program. And then even Content Marketing Institute. I mean, we bought Content Tech was a purchase property. Content Marketing Awards was a pur- purchase property. So I'm going to go through the contention that if you're a content marketer, the number one skill you can understand for this year or get get to really get your hands dirty with is understanding acquisitions. You really need to do yeah. that. And at the same time, well, it's happening the other way around too. By the way, it's ha- by the, you know. So, I mean, one of the things I, I was just speaking at the uh, Agora Pulse thing, and I was talking to agencies, and you know, so Time Magazine, literally a week and a half ago, bought uh, you know a small software company. The brand, um, the Brandcast uh, example, right? Yeah, Brandcast, yeah. right? And so they bought Brandcast, which is you know, of course. A small soft, you know, it's like a Folion or a Seros or a, uh, you know, uh, Uber Flip, you know, sort of microsite builder. But now Time Magazines, and they call it now Time Sites, is now competing with services, right? And let's not forget that T Brand Studios, you know, it started organically with like two or three or four people in the London office. But the way that T Brand Studios from New York Times, that was an acquisition. They acquired an agency here in my hometown of Los Angeles. And that became the the core the, the core agency services model for for T Brand Studios, and you've got Washington Post now with a you know enterprise level content management That's right. system you know that competes with Sitecore and competes with Adobe AEM, and so this is happening the other way around, you know. And the only notable agency that I've seen make an acquisition is Gary V's agency bought Pure Wow, which is a, a women's publication. So you know, I, it's like. This is happening everywhere. It's just happening in nooks and crannies, and we're not. It, most businesses are not paying attention to this. To your point, and it's the you know, I, I just literally had this conversation uh, two weeks ago with a company. At, I think I talked about this on the show last week or week before, where we talked about the idea of uh, you know the the um, uh, Brazilian company coming into the U.S. and talked to them about and said, hey, listen, why don't you just acquire right. a media company here yeah. instead of hiring, trying to hire people? It's like, and they were like, oh, yeah. Well, we could do that. Right. That's, we could totally do that. Yeah, and, and at the same time, what's well, first of all, we, we talked about this in Killing Marketing where we said the it's just a perception that you think that Cisco Systems and New York Times are different. The the, the actual business model underlying when, when you look at content creation and distribution is the same. They're just monetizing right. it differently, but but at at some point it's all going to be the same, and that's what we're starting to see, is that there's a media company inside every organization, and you're basically you're pulling all the levers now, not just a few content marketing levers. You're saying, oh, I'm going to pull all the direct revenue levers, which gets me to the next point, because I go into so, okay acquisition, and I go through here's an acquisition strategy, and here's why the opportunities are there for you right now, and then I'm like, you have to drive direct revenue, and of course. I love the example from Cleveland Clinic, and I talk about Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials and why what the greatest part about that is, and they're doing amazing things, and they got 13 million people going to their website every month and all this kind of stuff. But the fact is, is they're break-even or even, at this point, profitable. That division makes money. So you'll never get cut. 
Like if you're marketing and you're there's no cost aspect to, to it at all and you're just throwing off cash, like you are good to go. Like if you look at Arrows Electronics and all their brands and you look at somebody like uh, an EE Times, an EE Times, which is a publication of Aero Electronics, they sell display, sponsored content, webinar sponsorships, events, e-newsletter sponsorships, podcast sponsorships. They they do their own funded and paid research. They do book sales. They do training and paid courses, and they're throwing off a t- millions. That's a marketing <laughs> initiative as well, and it's a media right. company. So I'm talking about, look, you you have low-hanging revenue fruit. I know it's it's weird to think about it, but you could launch your own event like HubSpot and Salesforce has done. You could launch your own podcast sponsorships. You could do your own awards programs like Content Marketing Institute has. You could have your own training. I think we just have to think differently that you ha- it's now it's time to pull all the levers from a revenue standpoint. Well, and that and that's what ties what you're talking about into what I'm talking about because – you know, those levers, the immediate, you know, when you have a conversation with someone, the immediate knee-jerk reaction is to say, yes, I can create content like Cleveland Clinic. I can create content like EE Times. I can create that. I can, I know how to build, you know, a website. I know how to build a, you know, a, a, a landing page. I can build an event. You know, I know what that content looks like. And so you think, therefore, I can duplicate that success because I know what that package looks like and it's that's not what differentiates them. What differentiates them is that Cleveland Clinic took the time and the investment to invest in all of the activities that are needed to operate like a media company. In other words, they they hired people that are specialists in, you know, selling media. Yep. I mean, they actually have people who can actually sell advertising. They actually have people who are editorial uh, backgrounds, who create editorial strategies. They actually have people who created the data and the, the, the science behind the, you know, pulling all of that measurement out so that they could sell the media that they needed to sell to promote the, you know, they basically built a business around this. They built an operation around this. And so, if you look at somebody like the E Times, that's an that's an operation. You know, they have activities going. They have they know what they're doing. They know how to do the thing. It's not just what the content looks like. Is how do you actually fit all those activities together to make it strategic? And that's what differentiates. And so that's the real difference. Is like when you're saying pull all the levers, it's not pull all the levers to get you know a, a bunch of content written. It's pulling all the levers to build the infrastructure and the operation yep. so that you can actually pull the levers to create new mm-hmm. content. Absolutely true. Because, yeah, the next thing I go into is really about the idea of redefining metrics. And that's when I go through in the revenue model that you and I talked about in Killing Marketing, where it's not just content marketing our, you know, KPIs anymore. It's not just I need to sell more products or services and or keep loyal customers or grow better customers. And those are all very, very important. But you have to look at you've got six other ways that you need to generate. You can generate revenue, maybe more than that. And you're not thinking strategically about that right now. Once you build a loyal audience, there's ways to monetize in multiple ways. And by the way, it's not just you're extracting. You're not just extracting value from an audience. When you do this, you're usually creating things that add to the loyalty and add to the closeness to the audience as well at the same time. Like I would make a case that content marketing awards does that generates a lot of revenue and a lot of profit for CMI, but it also is another indicator of somebody signs up for an award. They're probably a more profitable customer as well. 
They come to content marketing world. They go to the webinars. They go to those kinds of things. So I go into those change, like looking at the metrics. I go heavy duty into an email strategy. And it really is built upon what you and I covered a couple weeks ago about the most value, you know, the, the largest sales of media companies recently have happened with email businesses, Industry Dive, and uh, you look at Axios and look at Morning Brew. These are all email-driven businesses, and I make the case that most content marketers aren't taking their email seriously enough. And so they need, we need to take that and integrate that into everything that we're doing. And so I talk about that, and then I go into two more, and this will you'll we, we talked a little bit about the one, but I call it leasing space, but it's the idea that this new idea of an advertorial, or if you remember what an advertorial is in a print publication where somebody's got sure. a print magazine and I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy two pages, but they're going to be editorial driven. So it's advertising, but it's editorial. And this is where I'm totally leaning off of other strategies, but Scott Galloway's Prof G strategy, where he has four different podcast feeds going on right now with this Prof G podcast. He's got one on markets. He's one. He's got one that says his newsletter. He's got the main Q&A um, feed, and then he's got an Office Hours podcast, all on the same channel. And I'm, Yeah, and the same feed. The same feed. That's, that's the real key there. The same feed. Right. And Four products. I heard um, uh, George Hahn on the, uh, uh, on the Pivot podcast talk, mention, talk to them as products, which I found fascinating. So he said Prof G has four products on one feed. That's perfect. Yes, exactly. And I'm so I'm basically saying, look, you can do that with your own stuff, but you can also lease or rent space with a media company or partner with a creator using their feed. So this is what happens with most podcasts, and I talk about the the research on this, but it's something horrible. Um, let me bring up the stat because you will you probably probably know this already, but. 20, of all the podcasts out there, according to Apple, only 26% have published one episode. And 26% have published only one episode. 37% have published two or fewer episodes. And 44%, a half, I did not know a half of all podcasts have three or fewer episodes. Do you believe that? Is, I, that is fascinating. This is April 2021 data from Apple, courtesy of Amplify. And I'm just like, Whoa! Half of all podcasts have less than three episodes, three or fewer, three or fewer episodes, three or fewer. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So you basically have a bunch of horrible content out there. Just a bunch of stop projects, and I'm like, well, instead of doing that, we can go and we got a podcast idea. Great, let's go rent space with a media company. Let's go do a partner project. Do what we do what Galloway's doing with his other products, but you can leverage other people's feeds. And I'm fascinated by this concept to do that and really get partnerships going because then you can move audience or steal audience, if you will, from those feeds to your own email or your standalone feed. So instead of starting fresh, mm-hmm. not getting any traction, which you probably won't if you look at the data, so you'd be like, okay, another dead podcast. Well, let's not even start there, but you're starting with a losing proposition. So I said, there's a better way to do it. So that's, and then the last one, you'll get a kick out of this because this feeds in right with your idea that you started talking about. But my bonus idea is to leave your company, is to get a running, <laughs> to get a running start yeah. somewhere else. And I go back to the Cleveland Clinic example. A lot of people never talk about this because we talk about uh, Amanda Todorovich and, or Todorovich, is it Todorovich? 
Amanda, I'm totally sorry. Is it? I th- I'm going to get this right before I say it on stage. I think it's Todorovic. But Amanda, Todorovic, yeah. Amanda has done a fantastic job with Cleveland Clinic. She came in 2012, uh, and Scott Linnebarger was the person who got it working from the ground, launched it as Health Hub, got the buy-in, really right. made yep. this thing going, and it was a bunch of nothing. 12,000 visitors a month when Scott was going and they were lucky enough to be able to bring somebody like Amanda in. And then so Scott did all the work and then Amanda comes in and just takes it to the next level. So my whole contention is go and find something in a similar position. Go find a company that has bought in and it's three years. It's about three years into their strategy. And that's what Cleveland Clinic was into about three years before Amanda came in. And then she's just blown it up in the last decade. Uh, but do the same thing. It's like, okay, you want to grow, and you talked about this a little while ago. You want to take your step up in your company. Maybe there's no career path for you. Well, you know there's examples out there that are at that point that Scott Linnebarger had Cleveland Clinic Health Hub that became Health Essentials. Go and find that opportunity. And that's where, (laughs) if you're tired and you don't know where to go in your own company, go find that example out there. So that's kind of what I'm talking about, about... Just thinking about the business strategy. You said it well. It's a bit looking at the business strategy a little bit different outside of just content creation and distribution. Yep. So that is exactly it. It is a. It, it is now time for us to recognize that this is a. You know, and one of the ways that I finish, um, is, you know, speaking about the whole privacy and first party data and trust and everything, is you know I come back to this. You know, it's just a headline that 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 haunts me in a good way. It haunts me. It's the Edelman trust barometer uh, this year where they wrote that societal leadership is now a business function. And um, I just, I, 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 I love that headline. And it was basically the conclusion they came to after looking at this because they, they, they looked at people's, expectation now that businesses would communicate their values and beliefs and 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 create that you know societal leadership because it's not coming from mainstream media it's not coming from government it's not coming from the church it's not coming from nonprofits it's not you know the so their people are now expecting businesses to begin to lead this and you know that is a that is no longer you know, and and my point there is, is that when you know when you look at the data, uh, and I may get these numbers slightly wrong because I don't have them quite memorized yet, but it's fifty eight percent of us will make a purchase based solely on the company's beliefs or values. Sixty five percent, I think it is, will make a uh, employment decision about a company that we're going to go work for based on their values and beliefs, and eighty percent of us will make an investment decision about uh, a company's values and beliefs. And so if there has ever been a time when content marketing has been more, you know, in more need in any company, I can't think of it, right? It is, it is now. And, and the way I sort of finish, as I say, you know, content marketing right now in business, I used to say, you know, very pointedly, of course, that it's an opportunity for brand differentiation and for, you know, demand side marketing and for customer loyalty and all the wonderful things that we might enhance our marketing strategy with. Those days are gone. Content marketing is now a responsibility of every company. And if you're not doing it, you're being irresponsible. Yeah. And the, so, 
to the business because your customers, your investors, your employees expect it. And if you're not coordinating your communication in a way that delivers clarity on those values and those beliefs in your business, and I don't care how big you are, you're you're missing out. You're you're going to miss uh, you're going to miss a big 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 uh, uh, piece of of what business strategy is these days. And I and I would I would also say if there's been anything helpful about what's happened during the pandemic is you have executives that not only are open to these new ideas, they're, they're asking for them. Absolutely. So, so this is now, this is our time. This is our, there's, there's no excuses anymore. You can't say you're not going to get buy-in. You can't say that you don't have an executive team that's supportive of these things. They probably already are. And we have to get outside of our little content creation bubbles and look at the big picture and say, you can make a huge impact on the entire organization, as you always said. I mean, this is a oh big God. organizational I, you know, issue right now that you can come in and you can almost be a hero and say, look it, this is going to solve a lot of our issues. A lot of our communication issues, yeah. a lot of our revenue issues can be solved by doing this. So, yeah, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one quick story because she's going to be at Content Marketing World, Jen Havelsrud. Uh, who she's just amazing. Um, she runs content. She's a year, 18 months into her job at Anthem Insurance. Anthem Insurance, one of the biggest, you know, Blue Cross insurance companies on the planet. Um, and Anthem Insurance has did a complete rebrand in 2021. Completely rebranded, changed the name of the company, changed the name of everything. And because the, because the new newly appointed CEO of Anthem Insurance wanted to make her She's an incredibly accomplished person, um, the CEO there. I mean, she served in the, I think she served in the Obama administration. And, you know, she's just a very incredibly, uh, and she's, you know, nearing the end of her career and has stated very publicly that she wants to make a big impact before she retires. And so she wanted to sort of change the nature of what Anthem Insurance was all about as CEO. And so wanted to change the brand and, and really make an impact in terms of communicating values and 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 communicating the the you know sort of social impact that they are trying to have as a company and that new brand was supposed to be representative of that and and Jen led the content charge on that you know for 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 all of that rebrand and so the way that the content on the website looks the way the content marketing looks the thought leadership throughout all of their different areas that they cover she was she was she's going to talk about that at content marketing world but that's ex- that's it. That's it, right? This CEO was in, like all in, and now it's not a question of being in to the idea. The question is, how do you do it? Like, how? What are you going to bring me? What's the business case you bring me for how to get it done? It's. Uh, I didn't. I didn't realize she was speaking. That's fantastic. So I'll have yeah, to make sure I, I catch that one. And by the way, and I've got no skin in the game on this one, but I, if you have did not make content marketing world as you're listening to this, the, uh, you can get online access and listen to, to Robert and myself and all the other amazing speakers yeah. with the online version. You can go to contentmarketingworld.com and sign up for that. So just in case you happen to, to miss it. Yeah. Well, and I would, and I would also mention that, you know, and this is lesson learned, I think it's a little confusing because you actually have to go to the website, which is talks through all the, physical stuff like the physical event and when you hit register like you're going to register for the event then you have the opportunity to get to the I had a lot of people email me and go how come you're not doing a on-demand version this year and I said well we are actually but you have to go register and then choose the on-demand 
online event as your as your option. Got it. So okay. That's the just a secret helpful tip. Good there. to know. So by the time this, so this will this will come out uh, or Friday after Content Marketing World is over. So I'm assuming right. if they go to contentmarketingworld.com and they sign up, it should just go to the online. But I don't know. I'm I not in charge of these. That's the way things. it's going to work. Yes. Yeah. I would. Uh, yes. I I believe that's the way it would work when you're when you're coming afterwards. Right. Well, awesome. Well, I'm also looking forward to to getting together with you, and we'll yeah. we'll have our oh our gosh, if, if you so great. if you drinks, maybe some. Maybe some tequila. Maybe, maybe a few. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe a few or more. Yeah. Something maybe, like that. Many. But I am. Many drinks will be had. Yes. It, last year was great, but you're right. There were so many people that couldn't come and friends of ours. So it'll be it'll be much better this year to, to see everyone. and It's going to be wonderful. I'm very much do looking what we forward do. to it. Awesome. So that's it. You All got right. anything else? Well, Is that it? Is it? I, are, we, it are, we, are we wrapping this thing up? Go the, Cowboys. The football slash, uh, football slash uh, content marketing world special episode is in the books. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> we, will, we will, of course, be back with our regularly scheduled programming uh, next week, of course. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, there's not a really a lot of show notes to go look at for this particular episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, but of course, you can always go dive into any of the other 340 episodes that are previous to this. Um, and, uh, you know, you can just get on over to our website, won't you? Thisoldmarketing.site, where you can see our smiling faces and download anything that you want to download. Uh, remember to hashtag us up with the Twitter questions. We always love that, of course. Hashtag us with this old marketing. And until we see you next week with our regularly scheduled news chuckle-headedness just remember it's your story to tell tell it well we'll see you next week after we come back from-